and welcome to episode 212 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Stanislav here in Manchester. Saying that for the first time makes me smile. And with me on the line from Denver, Colorado, it's the one and only Shane Beeps. Good morning, Shane. Dave, whose who's pirate signal has infiltrated our our, our precious broadcast. It's a hacker. I don't know what happened. This is so strange. Hacker man is here. Also, it's daytime. We've never done this in the daytime. I don't think ever. I don't think we've ever done one in the daytime. I don't think we've ever done one at you know 9 a.m. my time, 10 a.m. your time, Dave. Uh, we're looking a little frazzled. 4 p.m. my time. Yeah, you guys look like you just rolled out of bed. I've had a whole day. You still look like you just rolled out of bed, though, weirdly. Well, that's kind of the look that we're going for here. <laughs> Stan, you have a mug, even. You have a mug. What's in your mug? It's tea. I'm drinking tea. I'm a tea no. drinker now. Oh, my gosh. Not, not already. The Queen's black tea. It's a cat mug, though. It's Earl Grey. Wow. Shane, Shane, you would like this mug. That's right. Also with us, the godfather, Dave Harbarger. Hello, lads. You all right? In it. Yeah, I'm I'm great. Thanks, thanks for asking. Cheers. <laughs> How's our boy, Stan? Yeah, not bad. Assimilating, aren't I? Mm. Every day I learn a new turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. What's what's your favorite one so far? Um, what's all this then? Still, did I actually say that? No, no one says that, but I said it, and <laughs> they seem to accept it. <laughs> I, I guess they don't say in it that much around here. I have heard it a couple times, but maybe that's more of a London thing and I'm in the North, which is a very different culture. People say cheers. Oh, you know what drives my wife kind of crazy is that people say see you later in all instances, even if it's a total stranger checking you out at the grocery store. You'll just say, really? Thank you. And they'll say, see you later. What? See you later then, love. They, they, do- don't, they don't use like, I thought the official Britishism was smell you later. I am completely frazzled, of course, because it's. I've been up for four hours with my children. This is just what I look like on a Sunday during the day, unshowered, hair sticking <laughs> wow. straight up in the air. You guys have never seen me in the day. I'm wearing glasses. It's uh, it's a lot. I can hear children yelling at each other in the next room. Hopefully, the listeners can't hear that. No. I think you look good. Well, Stanislav, Chain. We, we have you back. It's good to see you. Yeah. Uh, so... Are you even are, are you even are you even ready? Are you even ready for magic? Are you ready for podcasting? I've been playing a little bit, just trying to get my my feet wet and and stay somewhat current. It has been hard to play when you're moving internationally, but I found a way every couple of weeks to just like play a little bit of moto. I haven't made it out to a shop yet, but I'm actually planning to do that this upcoming Friday, so the day after the episode comes out. Probably going to do my first FNM, and I have bought cards. In fact. Is it a burn meta out there? I, I don't know yet. I have to go to a Pioneer FNM. <laughs> what are you going to play in Pioneer, Stan? Well, what do we have here? A Nykthos. Uh, I can't tell. Oh, no. Oh. What? Play, uh, Red Devotion. In order to play what's here in my heavy play box. Dwin- oh, elves. Oh, elves. A Dwayne's okay. Elite. Yes. Love it. Yeah. For a moment, I was worried we were going to have a real uh, heel turn there, and you were going to be like, yeah, I have Mono Green Devotion now. I'm fully into it. Nope. No big deal. Uh, Stan, does does Elves and Pioneer, I guess we could just talk about this later, but does Elves and Pioneer, is that running uh, Tyvar? No. Oh, no. Interesting. Not like this. No, maybe okay. maybe not yet. I, I'm playing the list that like won a Pioneer Challenge a month ago. That's kind of what I put together. I figured that's where I'll start. Maybe the deck has changed in that, in that month, but we'll find out the hard way. I mean, they've been trying Tyvar in it, but Devin, you know, our new friend, since you moved away, Stan, Devin... Told us he didn't think he didn't think Tyvar was very my good. My new new best friend. 
in in elves. He said it was kind of not that great in elves for what it's worth. You can check that out on a previous episode of the show. I will say, listening to the show as a fan for the last, gosh, what is it, two months? No, close not, to two months. Quite. Yeah, it has been a real, real treat. You guys, you guys run a tight ship, and the podcast is good. You forget how good the podcast is when you're in it, but when you step back and you get to listen to the dive down like a citizen might. It's really, really special. So you guys were doing great. You had awesome guests. Devin was amazing. Sky, it was great to hear Sky again. But Devin coming back for a twofer was was perfect. So keep up the great work because I'm never coming back. <laughs> I felt like the last episode was was better without me and you, Stan. I think I think it's That's just how it works, the, isn't the, it? The, the Dave the Dave Devin show probably should be. Ah, uh, <laughs> Devin, call me. I know you're listening. I tell you, on the inside, it's felt pretty frantic the last couple of months. For what it's worth, on my side, it feels like running every week from like show to show, recording to recording, subject to subject, being like, oh my God, we finished another one. Uh, yeah. So since we did finish another one, wh- what are we doing this week? Yeah, what are we doing this week? We're, I guess we're, let's, let's catch up as friends. Let's set aside a little bit of time to hear from one another. We're not done with More that More than the already. six minutes we've done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just so, have so many more anecdotes to tell you about the town I live in that is 700 years old. I'm all ears. My goodness. Okay. Imagine that. There, there are plaques that say so. Maybe we'll do a little wind down after the end of this whole thing. But what we wanted to do this week was I promised last week on the show that we were not going to talk about Pioneer really this episode. And then instead, we're going to talk about modern as much as possible because we have been not really paying attention to it. And this week is the Mana Traders finals for this month which happens to be modern so we get a little bit of content around that but we're gonna we're gonna check back in on modern talk about new decks that might be trending talk about results from challenges on magic online as a source of a little bit of data and talk a little bit about the couple of things that we've been playing those of us that have been playing we're gonna go from there but first we're gonna do housekeeping who's, who's gonna do housekeeping stan you're coming back for some housekeeping too well it's a it's a lonely house to keep we don't have any new patrons or increased tiers. Though we do have a very generous new review from Z2838 746. I hope that's not someone's phone number. <laughs> Call it. We don't know it's the like country a, code. It's an auto population from Apple Podcasts. Like it's, it's someone's just someone's just spamming reviews for us, making new accounts. Yeah. Z2838 746 said our show is dope. And I, and I think this review rhinos. is pretty dope, too. We did talk about Siege Rhino a bit last week, weirdly enough. And also, we do talk about rhinos on this show a lot. So, still your rhino boys, of course. Uh, and, yeah. And this person says, I love rhinos, not as much turtles. I love turtles. We have... Okay, hold on. Patreon. So, if you, if you want to support us fairly directly, you know, there's a little bit of cut from the Patreon middleman. But you can go to patreon.com slash the dive down. You can throw us as little as a buck an episode helps keeps us keeps us going keep us going as well and you get some swag sent your way you get access to the definitively discreet dive down discord an awesome community of folks constantly talking about magic and other things of course you can also support us again fairly directly from our store where you can get things like hats t-shirts hoodies fanny packs socks I don't know, we should add some salt. We should get some Bombas. Dive down Bombas. Sure. And of course, that, the crowning jewel of our store, which is the Rhino Boys t-shirt. Thanks to Tower yes. Slayer at Tower Slayer on Twitter. Go check out our pixelated selves riding on rhinos. Uh, it's still the most popular page on our entire website. 
thedivedown.com slash store. I own some Bomba socks. Have you guys ever worn Bombas? They're good. Yeah, I, they are good. I got a pair of Bombas for, for Christmas, actually, just like a you know random pair of Bombas. And yeah. They, it's like the, the low cut ones. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with them, but they're, they're nice and soft. Bombas. Do they have that, that flap along your Achilles heel? Are they that low that they have that extra Achilles flap? I don't know. I don't remember. I wear them around the house. I have not heard about the Achilles flap on any of the podcasts I listen to that sponsor are sponsored by Bombas. And that's what I was going to oh, say. Notice we mentioned it though. Right. Bombas. We do good product reads. Sponsor our podcast, Bombas. Um, you think you think, you think think they just have random people like listening to podcasts, like just like looking for, for ad placement potential? No, but you never know what brand manager is into Magic the Gathering and needs a little that's goosing. A, that's a very good point. Yeah. But anyway, we also, like I said, we have the store, we have mana traders. If you use magic online, if you don't want to pay for your cards through botnets and things like that, you can rent them through mana traders botnet. Manatraders.com, you sign up code the dive down 10 for 10% off your first two months of service. Barrister and Man, still a sponsor. Love to see it. Were you able to bring Barrister and Man products into the, the country with you? Did you get through customs with the Bergamot? <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I even brought my safety razor and, and loose razor blades and a bunch of Barrister Man soaps and shaving soaps. Of course. Times really are. Culture really is advancing at this point. You'll love to see it. And finally, Nerd Rage Gaming. Check them out. Get some cards. Get 8% off if you use the code DIVATE just because we're friends. That's it. I miss Nerd Rage. I miss that 8% discount. I don't get that here. Axiom, because I ordered a card from Axiom, they gave me five pounds for my future for my next order as a thank you for being a new customer. But I don't think that's because I'm a podcaster. I think that's just because I'm a marketing target. Sounds like you have another sponsor that we could add to the list. Axiom Gaming, get at us. Call us. Call oh, me we're Axiom. Not, we're not, we sound really thirsty this episode. But St- Stanislav, um, while we're here, what are card prices like in the UK or Europe? I, my understanding is that there, there's some fairly big deltas. Between the U.S. and the and like Europe, yeah. So I can talk about this at length now that I've actually had to buy a bunch of cards to finish this deck. Cardmarket.com, which is their version of TCG Player, is interesting because it gives you access to all of Europe, so it's a lot easier to buy foreign cards too. But the prices on Card Market are so low. It's it's it was kind of it was kind of insane how low they were. Bigger retailers like Axiom, the numbers are closer to the numbers you might see in the states. Okay. But, but I would say that like you can actually get a, a huge deal on stuff on card market. Because what I was doing is I found several retailers in England. I, I wanted to buy some cards. I didn't want to get them from the continent. And I was just comparing card market prices to Axiom and Troll Trader and some of the other ones. And card market would be like more than a pound cheaper. It would be like 15, sometimes 20% cheaper. So I should just be ordering cards from you, like in bulk, and then you just ship them over. Yeah, man. Or next time I'm in the states, like there's probably something to be said. Oh there. yeah, smuggle some cards in. Getting some cheap, some cheap European cardboard. Love it. You know, I realize I don't think we actually mentioned the Barrister Man code, uh, which is the Dive Down 2023 for 15 percent off your first order. By the way, and there's some good things to order. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Awesome. So 15 minutes. We're through housekeeping. <laughs> We did talk about card prices. MTG podcast, MTG finance podcast. Here we are. Dave. Yes. I see a lot of notes in the breakdown section and it looks like you did some hard work. I do have some. So I think as we talk about getting back into modern, I realized over the past couple of weeks, I didn't even really know what was going on with modern since the 
advent of one or kind of what has come to pass so far from cards from Phyrexia all will be one. So I wanted to start somewhere to just give us a quick discussion about what's going on in the metagame, stuff we've missed, what might be trending up, trending down, that kind of stuff. So what I did was I went through the challenge, every challenge since February 10th through February 24th, which is like seven or eight events. I only did challenges. It was a sample of around 175 decks and did a metagame breakdown on those decks that made it into the top 32s of each one of those events, because those are the decks that get shared with us, as everybody knows. And so I wanted to, we'll talk a little bit about the Mana Traders metagame, since some of that stuff is coming out right now while we're talking too. But it seemed like we could talk about the top 15-ish decks from Modern really quickly and just look at things, how things are shaking out right now. I will guide us through this discussion in brackets so we don't just read a table to everybody. Oh, that's what we do so well, though. We read pivot tables... We read about numbers. Dave, do you, do you see Stanislav just like casually, idly messing with his, his new deck? I'm into it. Just leave some cards, bro. Get your, get double, uh, what do they call it? Multitasking? Multitasking. You, you, is my camera that wide? You guys saw me sleeving cards? We see your oh, hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. I did, Stan. I, I, that Nykthos I just flashed, I had to put in a sleeve as quickly as possible. I don't want cards just floating around here. Oh, yeah. Please don't. Are you, are you using the heavy play sleeves? Not yet. Not yet. I haven't gotten them yet, and because uh, I didn't want to use the the demo ones, and I haven't got my Kickstarter ones yet. But I oh, intend yeah. to. I, I I I got the I have my Lotus Field deck in in those, and I need to actually play it in real life <laughs> to actually use them. There you go. But anyway, all right. So let's get into it. All right, the top tier of the meta, the first top two decks will not surprise you or anybody, but here's what they are. It is Murktide Regent and Rakdos Midrange were the top two decks in the top 32s of all these challenges that I looked at. Oh, are we just saying that Rakdos Midrange is just like an expected like number two at this point? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I know it's been popular and rising and stuck around for months and months and months after being considered kind of a, a scam in itself, but I guess it's just, this is just where we are. It's just, you know, a, a Rakdos Midrange is, has been sticking at number two, huh? I think it's been top four at least for six months. So I don't think we should be surprised that now it's top two. And let me give you the percentages of these, because I think that was the part yeah. that was a bit of a surprise, is that out of the decks in these top 32s, Murktide Regent is 17% of the decks in the top 32s of challenges, and Rectos Midrange is 10.76%. And I would tell you, Goldfish is under-reporting that Rakdos number if you look at it, yeah. because there are a number of decks that are basically Rakdos mid-range that have some tweaks that are not getting labeled as Rakdos mid-range. I found enough decks in the sample to move it from less than 9%, once I, and then when I went back and renamed everything, it's closer to 11%, 10.76%. Yeah, like frequently, I they will like miscategorize something because it has like that uh, the blue card that when you discard, like you know, for the anti creativity blue sideboard card, and it'll just be like, oh, you have one blue card. Correct. Yeah, and that's that's most of the errors I found was a bunch of Rakdos mid range decks being just called UBR because of Orvar the all form in the sideboard, and so I don't think there's a lot to say about Murktide. Does anybody have anything that they want to say about Murktide right now? I mean, this probably doesn't surprise Stan at 17%, because I know Stan is always considered Murktide to be really, really good. But like, you know, just every time we look at the stats of Murktide, it doesn't display itself to be like the 17% of the top 32 meta deck. But then, you know, here it is. And that's what continually surprises me is just the consistency 
and apparent power level of Merktide when it's always hovered around kind of a 50% deck, more or less. But I guess in the hands of, of better players and with enough sample you know, thrown at the wall, you can get to that 17% for sure. I know it's just a, it's a popular and, and enjoyable deck for a lot of people. Yeah, and the big thing is here, no new cards from Phyrexia, all of you won, that I was able to see in my quick, quick meta-analysis. Now, quick is what I'm putting here. I did not really go through every single Murktide list that would have been like 35 lists if I had done that, but I, I did not see any notable new cards in the list. Also worth noting that Murktide was 10% of the Mana Traders you know, finals breakdown as well, so 26 people brought Murktide to that particular tournament as well. Rectos Midrange had a couple of interesting things that I saw from the lists. One was, as you said, a lot of them have Orvar in the sideboard to help with creativity. You know, creativity was gone, but we'll be talking about create not gone. It was less popular for a moment. Now it's gotten more popular again. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I think we might see more Orvar floating around. I'm not totally sure. Is that super? Is that really that effective against creativity? Stan, have you got to play that card or seen it happen? Neither. Yeah. I think it's good if you have multiples, but yeah, I don't know. The, the The trigger sequence favorably on your side, and then because creativity is sorcery speed, you're the one who ends up with the Archons in the end. Right. But wow, it's such a silver bullet, right? To be like, I just have this card, it's only good in this matchup. I'm never using it for anything else, and it's not even a card I can play, which is... So it must be pretty good if people are willing to do it, but it, and it like awkwardly has to be in your hand at the right time. Yeah, exactly. So weird stuff. The other thing I saw as far as new cards go is that I have seen some children's edicts showing up in the sideboard of scam. It's worth noting that Dom Harvey made the Mana Traders top eight, which we'll talk about a little bit later today. No, he did not have that card in his deck for what it's worth. And I also saw a, at least one Mardu mid-range deck that was only splashing red for Nahiri, a full playset of four Nahiri, the Unforgiving. So I dubbed the Unforgiving. I, I didn't see a lot of people trying that, but I thought it was interesting. You got to get Nahiri high up to bring back those uh, elementals with, with her, though. So I pulled up M2G Meta IO out of curiosity to see how Scam is doing against some of the top decks during basically the same period that we're looking at right now. And I wonder if part of the reason it's on the up and up is because it has a favorable Merktide matchup. And Merktide being maybe the most popular deck in the format helps contribute to the rise of Rakdos, especially. Yeah. What's that matchup look like to you when you look at IO? Which isn't always like the best data, but it's something at least. It's not yeah. perfect, but yeah. Yeah, so it's it's 55% across 20 matches, um, but it's also like 60% against Hammer. And I, mm. I, I and apparently a hundred percent only three matches though against elementals. So maybe maybe that says something yeah. about about where Scam is getting its its leverage. Scam's a good deck. Let's talk about some decks that have some new leverage though as well. I think so. In third and fourth place were two decks that were at six point two five percent each. One of them is not surprising. The other one was surprising to me. So I'm going to start with the not surprising one indomitable creativity back as the number third slash fourth deck in the meta um you know all 4c builds i didn't see any that weren't uh 4c it's pretty standard other than that um there are a few that have atraxa in them from phyrexia all will be one either in main as like a one of as just a secondary target for um for creativity or in the side 
I think that the thing that's interesting about Atraxa is that it's probably more easy to cast Atraxa out of creativity than it to hard cast it than it is to hard cast an Archon, honestly. So it's interesting that that people are going with that, you know, especially the way that's worked. But pretty much it's the same deck as it was now. As for why it's on the rise, I also pulled up meta MTG meta IO and looked at some stuff here for this. And I think that it has a lot to do with hammer. Um, you know, creativity seems to be pretty good against hammer, at least according to that data and also breach, which it seems to have a lot of good matchups against, which I was a little surprised about, but that's what that data indicated was that it had a good, uh, like I think, uh, 55% plus matchup against uh, underworld breach for what it's worth. Breach is still a pretty popular deck, although it's many different decks. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then the last thing that creativity is good against is the other deck in this category, which is Omnath. And so Omnath is on mm -hmm. the rise as well. Did you get a sense for which flavor of Breach is the most popular? Are, are you looking at Jund, Four Color? For, for uh, Underworld Breach? Or, I'm sorry, uh, Creativity. Creativity is definitely Four Color. It's almost, I think every single list I saw was Four Color. I don't remember seeing a non-Four Color. Four slash Five Color one. Gotcha. So, so this like Jund version with Bitter Reunion, that's still kind of uh, on the outskirts? Yeah, I definitely think it's it's on the outskirts. At least as far as stuff that's making it into the challenge top thirty twos. I didn't I don't think I saw I definitely didn't see one of those. There might have been some of those that were running bitter reunion that I missed as I again glancing through this two hundred decks, but yeah. Mm -hmm, for sure. But I think that's the big surprise. On the other deck that is on the rise and is fourth or is actually, you know, third or fourth in meta representation is Omnath. And this is another deck that it's not totally clear if you just look at Goldfish or something like that to see what it is, because some people call it 4C, some people call it 5C Omnath, some people call it other things, or they end up being tagged as other things in that automated system. And so I went through and removed all those qualifiers and just had it decks like that with Omnath that are reminiscent of the old Yorian decks. They're just called Omnath in the spreadsheet that I did. And that added up to 6.25% of the meta for uh, third slash fourth place. And I'm assuming these are all Kahira decks? Omnath, Kahira? Yeah. Yeah, they're almost all Kahira decks. So how are these playing out? They're just kind of like the standard sort of like multicolor, you know, mid-range control-ish type style? or They're exactly the the... They're sixty card ver they're basically sixty card Omnath like the decks that we had without Yorian. A bunch of asterisks on that that I will get to in a moment. But the big thing that's happening here is that a lot of these decks are running one or two Elish Norn Mother of Machines main. Oh, okay. And yes. so I actually think that this card might be helping them in a, some matchups that were not that good. And also it's just a really good card. It's you can search it up as a target and it doubles your triggers it gets rid of other people's triggers i think it just randomly hoses some decks so this seems to be the home for elish norn in modern and uh kind of surprised like i want to say i'm surprised but at the same time i'm like of course this deck would be able to pick up elish norn and just play it you know we mentioned this in the spoiler app right like that elish norn is surprisingly hard to kill in modern like you have to have like a terminate or something like that you know or a dread bore if you're playing something like that but Otherwise, this card is not dying to much. Yeah. And I'd like to point out, you know, on the spoiler episode, I said something about it dying to Leyline Binding. It does not die to Leyline Binding. It randomly hoses any permanent, you know, any permanent coming to the battlefield does not cause something to trigger, right? It's not causing things to trigger. And that means that it even hoses like Sigarda's aid. Like if you, cause I think that the trigger on that doesn't, doesn't work against it as well. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So I think that 
Elish Norn just randomly hoses a bunch of decks that are trying to do powerful things. You know, classically, creativity has been a pretty good matchup against f these Omnathy decks. And, um, you know, maybe that helps you get some points back going the other way, or it probably does get you help you get a lot of points back. And then the other thing that these decks are trying out is that many of these are playing Atraxa as well as just an ultimate giant recovery card blocker lifelink and also draws you a bunch of cards in this deck because your deck has sorceries instants you know enchantments lands creature like it has a lot of card types in it so you can get a bunch of cards off of a cast atraxa now they're only playing a few of them are only playing a couple of them but one or, or zero is kind of the number but that's that's uh, an interesting card in this shell too and what you're just naturally casting it once you get to seven mana yeah well, you're omnath into it, is what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's just a good mana sink. Wild. And here's the last thing, the most annoying thing, if anybody has any questions or thoughts about this. Back when Yorian was banned, I was like, there's no way people are going to play more than eight, 60 card mains, 15 card sideboards in this deck. I don't know what's going on if it's like a Twitter troll, like if it's a meme thing, but there are a bunch of people who are playing with this deck and just laughing all the way to the bank with more than 75 card total builds. So Claudio has an 82 card results, 26th place in one of the challenges at four and three. A player called Nameless with a four instead of an A had a 90 card result, 31st place. Gucci Life, 85 card deck for 15th place. Batsutina had a 95 card list that they played with. These people what? are just playing. They're just playing more than 75 <laughs> cards. The kids are playing more than 75 cards out here. Deck size wow. is a resource, as they say. I guess. I don't know. Huh. What's, I mean, what's the draw there? Just like that we have access to more Eladamri's call targets. Like, it just doesn't matter at this point. Like, all the cards are good, so... I mean, the contention from people was the mana works better if you have a bunch of extra lands in your deck. So, I think that it's better fetching targets would probably be one thing people are thinking about. And then, yeah, I think the other side is you're, you're drawing a bunch of cards and you can search things up that I, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it's a troll or what, but nobody won with one of these. At least I don't think so. I don't think about Bar won, but um, yeah, but Omnath's back. Uh, Omnath is also for what it's worth. We were looking at the mana traders meta as well. Omnath was this basically the number two deck in mana traders as far as registration go 24 people brought it so it was just shy of murktide indomitable creativity was 17 players brought it for nine percent of the field so the top three decks in mana traders were murktide omnath and creativity which is wow that's like a meta from five months ago if i ever heard it yeah that's wild something i'm seeing for the first time right now is that elish norn is a very expensive magic card yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's it, both it's edh and somewhat constructed playable as we're seeing it, it must be more than just edh for it to be a because there's so many printings of it and it's a 43 dollar card yeah that must that must mean that it's like seeing play across formats it definitely I mean, it's, is yeah yeah it's also just i mean it also literally just is like i can't imagine a more edh -E edh mythic you know what i mean no matter how many variants there are yeah yeah card's good this is this is just Shieldred. I mean, it's p potential is for it to just be like Shieldred ask. Although Shieldred's probably easier to play in multiples than Elishnorn is, you know. So we'll see. But you know, it's a forty dollar card. It's a flagship mythic of a standard set. Forty bucks. I have some Phyrexia but, boosters here that Wizards Europe sent me. Should we try to open one? See if we sure, can get. Sure. That's fun. Wow. Let's take a break. As soon as he gets to, as soon yeah. as he gets to Europe, he gets the the promo swag. I know it's unbelievable. 
they were waiting for me at the airport with a sign that said <laughs> podcaster. Poly, it said polyga- polygon writer and podcaster and new resident Stanislav. We can save it for the end of the episode. Okay. Let's go to the no, next I wanna know one. I want to know one right now. <laughs> Let's open one. It's, it's fine. It's a break. Yeah, I want to hear that rapper. Post. Put that wrapper near the mic. Do you have a collector booster or are they just set boosters? Uh, I do have a collector booster. Let's do the collector booster. I opened the set late. booster. Well, okay, we'll that's do, fine. We'll do the collector we'll do, at the end. We'll do both. Okay. Stan does have red hot luck when it comes to packs. Oh, Elish Norn. I will say I did open two. Oh, that's a pretty good card. I have opened... There's eight no laws when yeah. you're playing MIG laws. That card's MIG good. laws. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Perfect open. Red Minor misstep. Did that turn to be turn out to be anything? No. Great. A, a little bit. <laughs> we'll open a collector's boost during the wind down. Yeah. I will say for what it's worth, I've opened two Elish Norns so far, so I think I'm set there. Were they the same printing? Or did you get one in foreign, an odd foreign language that doesn't actually have a proper translation? You mean like Phyrexian? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. No, I have I have two normal set Elish Norns, which is nice because that's the printing I prefer when it comes to magic cards, mostly. Um, unlike Tyvar, where I have a regular one, a showcase one, and a foil regular one right now. So, you know, that's always fun for deck building. Anyway, next year down, the fifth and sixth place decks were also the exact same number in my sample. And they're sort of like a pair that of decks that hate each other. At least one of them hates hates the other one. And that would be Hammer Time at 4.86% of the meta. Hammer's trending down a little bit. You know, it was number two for a long time towards the end of the year last year, the beginning of the year this year. I think that it was probably closer to 8-10% of the meta, mostly when we did this stuff. And now being down around five, it's interesting. There's no one is picking up new cards for this list like nobody's picking up nahiri in this list we saw a person get a 5-0 with that early on i've tried hammer with nahiri in it it didn't seem like it made any any difference to the deck at all to me like it seemed like not really what you want to be wasting your time on there's some mono white decks there's some blue white decks i think people still like hammer shane was in the chat last night telling us that hammer is broken it's still mm-hmm. so absurd. Like it's yeah. just, it feels so absurd. Like it, like it just keeps, just keeps hitting you with hammers. Yeah. yeah. Even in the tournament practice rooms, it's good. I will say yep. that there's one weird thing going on with this deck, and that is X File, who's a who's a a player. Uh, Felix Slew is the the player that goes by X File online, I believe. I don't think they have a Twitter anymore, because I was looking for that. So I did some work last night they've been playing a bit lately with and a couple other people have picked this up a hammer deck here's what i saw in this hammer list last night and tell me what you think about this a one of thassa's oracle (laughs) in hammer along with four of a card called pure sight marrow from lorwyn block okay so i'm looking at these lists and i'm like why is this here is this a stipulation is this a joke then i'm then i found it a second time and i was like what is going on here i had to go deep on google you all to figure figure this one out so i thought that it was like a one of tech against mill or something like oh you're gonna mill me out and then i'm gonna play thassa's oracle and survive which is like not actually possible should but, we read pure sight marrow yep i'm gonna read it right now Okay. So here's because okay. because that was the thing that was I thought that maybe Pure Sight Marrow was just for value and Thassa's Oracle was the thing. But here here's what Pure Sight Marrow does. So its cost is is hybrid blue white hybrid blue white. It's a Merfolk Wizard. It's a two two, and it says 
blue-white hybrid, the untap symbol, look at the top card of your library, you may exile that card. Okay, it has the untap symbol on it. And here's the thing I didn't notice about this car, this deck with it in it at first is that this deck is also running Paradise Mantle. So what you can do is search up Paradise Mantle, put it onto Pure Sight Marrow, and you can mill your whole deck immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what you're doing there is adding a weird Saga-able c- combo because you can get Paradise Mantle with the Saga. You can, you just maybe you draw into Pure Sight Marrow. The Pure Sight Marrow helps you get to your Thassa's Oracle, but I'm not exactly sure what this, how, I didn't see any extra cards that would like help X-File draw the Thassa's Oracle off the top. You know what I mean? If you got to it too early when you're in the middle of milling your whole decks, but I'm sure that there's some way to do it that I just maybe missed in the list. But yeah, Hammer with an infinite combo, an infinite self-mill combo randomly popping up, which is a weird thing. So in case you see it, there's at least one pretty good player, really good player actually out there trying to figure out well, trying to figure out if that's a thing. I figure that this might help in some of Hammer's worst matchups, like maybe a, a matchup where you can't get early damage in. I don't know if it helps in like Titan necessarily, but it is a way to win without having to go through blockers, though Titan probably still kills you faster than you can do this. But I don't know. Just was kind of an interesting thing that I noticed. You can draw cards with reality chip in hammer time and it looks like x files playing one chip yeah so chip was part of it too but then you have to get two pieces of equipment to make it work and so i don't know it didn't seem like enough but i mean really importantly pure sight marrow features my favorite reminder text of (laughs) this is the untap symbol yeah (laughs) don't Don't get twisted don't get twisted all right so look out for that and then the other deck in this category the 4.86 category, around 5% of the meta, is Mill. Mill itself. Okay. Dave, did you see Mill kind of like, has it, you know, I know it was fairly popular when I was doing kind of a few weeks ago when we didn't even touch it with Devin on the episode, the modern breakdown. Uh, and that was kind of in reaction a lot to Amulet kind of having a huge resurgence because of uh, the land that I forgot the name of. Mycosynth Gardens. That's it. The Gardens. Yeah. Uh, it's becoming spring. But ha- has it fallen off in the past like few weeks, like where Mill is kind of like not super hot, or is it still staying, staying it, there? It's still pretty hot. <laughs> I feel like it was pretty consistent through the whole sample. And the most interesting thing about the whole, the whole couple of weeks is that at the beginning, there was a mix of people playing Jace the Perfected Mind and people not playing Jace the Perfected Mind. Yeah. And now everybody's playing at least three copies of Jace the Perfected Mind as the deck continues to do reasonably well. I'll note that nobody brought nobody brought Mill within the top six decks to Mana Traders, but Hammer Time was the fourth deck at 8% of the field in Mana Traders. So, so Jace hit. Like, Jace actually hit. It's a, it's a Planeswalker for Mill that people were like, yeah, let's see if it, it works in Mill, and apparently it, it is doing work. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised about it, but it does seem to be the standard in that deck, and it seems to be getting people to pick it back up. Notably, Demonic Tutors was playing it in challenges for a little bit, getting off Yawgmoth and trying that instead, and had tweeted about liking it over the last couple of weeks. But... um yeah, it seems like a good amount of people are playing it. For what it's worth, I also saw some Azorius and Mono Blue Mill decks that kind of were in this same zone, but I consolidated consolidated them together into this number. Um, so it, mostly Demir, like we're talking 90% Demir, but there are people doing other stuff here too. Okay, 
going to keep going until we go fast. Next up, Burn at 4.5%. Same deck. Sorry, Burn. <laughs> You're still seventh place. Still not too interesting. It is what it is. Uh, but Burn players keep going. After that comes Crashing Footfalls, comes our friends at four point eight or 3.82% of the meta. So we're getting down to that less than 4, less than 5% slice. Crashing Footfalls being eighth is interesting here. It was fifth in the Mana Traders meta. It was 8% of the meta there. But the thing that stuck out to me most about what I'm seeing Crashing Footfalls right now, as far as these go, is that almost every deck, every single deck except for one that I saw from this sample was Teamer. Just mm -hmm. Teamer. Yes, I've noticed this as well. Stan, what do you think about this right now? So I'm looking at the Bullwinkle list that won a Modern Challenge on February 25th. Oh, that's so I guess that that's this past Friday, right? Yeah, and that's not in this sample. So interesting oh, and, to note and, that they, it's, yeah, it's not even there. So, so the next one that the next best performing one is Rinbow, uh, which finished eighth place. And really, what I'm looking for is how many times people are playing Become Immense because it kind of became Immense. the flavor of the week for a minute, but yeah. uh, less so now. My thinking was simply that Teamer with Become Immense, especially, can let you just win faster and play a faster strategy as opposed to the four color decks, which maybe can cascade more frequently, but also are relying on a little bit more interaction to play a grindier game. Yeah. And I wonder if there was this moment shortly after I left the pod when rhinos became really good and popular everywhere. I don't know if you guys noticed mm -hmm. that too. Oh, yeah. and, and I think if people started responding to that, the deck would have to adapt by just getting more alpha strikey. And can't can't really necessarily dirtle with the four color decks and needed silver bullets and things like Blood Moon and needed alpha strikes from Become Immense in order to just continue to hang. But I'm not seeing that many Become Immense here either. Like I'm seeing a version with Repudiate Replicate and Valakit Awakening. So what? Maybe maybe I didn't just see like, that one. Th that's the one that finished eighth. Interesting. Also on the twenty fifth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's okay. I mean, that that stuff would have been in the sample if I had had access to it yesterday when I was doing the work, you know. So that's that's just the difference between today and yesterday. What's repudiate replicate again? Is oh that the sim, is that the simic? Yes, like yes. Guilds of Ravnica card. Yeah, So repudiate is simic simic counter target activated or triggered ability, and then replicate is one blue green create a token as a copy of target creature you control. Oh jeez. So it's like it's basically like stifle plus. Yeah. Yeah. Plus make another Rhino. All right. Ninth place deck. Big surprise to me here is that, you know, when one came out, Frexia All Will Be One, everybody thought the Mycosynth Gardens and Amulet Titan were going to break modern. Of these top 32s, yes. Amulet Titan was ninth place in the decks that I saw with 3.47%. Many decks that have good matchups against Amulet and bad matchups against Amulet. Higher in the meta representation here. Maybe people aren't picking it up, but I think mostly. It's just maybe not quite as broken, although it's clearly a good card. Everybody's playing it. Yeah, I mean, Titan's doing well. Like we, you know, modern twenty the challenge on two nineteen, it's in third and nineteenth place. In the prelims, it's like third, first, eighth in a few, you know, two different prelims. There's four different amulet titan variants in the league dump. On the 21st? How's that even possible? That's wild. You know, I mean, it's still like showing up and doing fine. But yeah, like you said, it's not like 
you know, it's not even Merktide level where it's like it's like one copy in a top thirty-two instead of like you know three to four of some of our most popular decks that we typically see. Yep. Yep, exactly. So Titan, good. Got some stuff from Frexy. All we want, as we all know, but um, I think it's solidly back, but not anything people should be crazy scared of, I think, at this point. Okay, and then I'm going to go through the rest of the top 15 really quick. There's only there's five decks, six decks, because we've been through nine so far. So these are all right around 3% of the meta. I'm just going to read it off. Underworld Breach, that is non-grinding station Breach. That's the most popular one right now. It's Jeskai mostly, occasionally is it, but they're almost all Jeskai value breach, no grinding stations at this point for this 3% of the meta. Do you want to talk about that one? I'll stand. You had a question about which breach was the most popular. Any any other follow-up about it? No, my question was about which creativity was the most popular. Oh, creativity. Oh, sorry. Yeah, got it backwards. Well, just so everybody knows, that's the most popular underworld breach right now. The There's Gruel Storm Breach, and there's like a Rot Priest deck I saw that uses Breach, and some other stuff that was floating around. Um, but the underworld breach, if we added up the Gruel versions, the Teamer versions, the Is It versions, the Jeskai versions, it would actually be closer to like six or seven percent of the meta but i do think the difference between grinding station and non-grinding station breaches enough that i just left them as separate decks in this sample because i do think they play pretty differently but don't get it twisted there are still you know six seven eight percent of the decks in this meta that are playing that are playing underworld breach is an important card in their deck and that even goes up higher if you look at the 14th place deck on here which is jeskai prowess which is just basically it's prowess with breach and some white cards for removal and it's doing well right now it had some some high high level finishes it's a cool deck i saw some people talking about it on twitter of course it's the deck i'm the most interested in out of this bracket but we don't have to talk about it more than here just know that it's around three percent of the meta right now too and it also uses breach so there are a lot of decks using underworld breach in different ways still right now living end was also three percent of the meta as was yawgmoth mono red midrange was 2.4 percent and then domain zoo is the 15th place deck with two percent of that top 15 meta any thoughts about this list looking at it real quick? I, I guess my my major things are just kind of like I'm a little bit surprised at kind of like the the lack of adoption of Breach or maybe it's just one of those things where people are able to respond to a strategy like Breach and you know keep these these things under some kind of containment. You know, it's a decks like this we've seen in the past where you know we talked about early breach decks, right? Like early breach decks, people were, you know, doing these really sort of fragile combos where like they had potential to win on like turn two or turn three with certain combinations of cards. But then, you know, it's fairly easy to attack those kind of glass cannon strategies. And while we know that breach now is much more kind of like a a value strategy, I think it still does rely fairly heavily especially like the value ones where it's kind of like, I'm going to cast a bunch of stuff out of my graveyard and kind of chip in with some prowessy style creatures. You know, we know very well, like with a certain amount of removal or graveyard hate that, you know, those decks aren't going to be able to be as explosive or as, as have the redundancy to cast like three lightning bolts off the same card. So I guess what I'm getting at is I think that these are the kind of strategies that if they rear their head and kind of show their power level that people can, you know, tap, uh, tap them back down and quite a, a little bit there. You kind of glossed over mono red mid range. Yeah, those are basically Obosh 
M. Hayashi style decks, I would say. They don't include things like the, what's that card? Calibrated Blast, the second artifact, take five damage. Those are actually a separate deck list, and that showed up around 1% of the meta, 1.5% of the meta, so it's just outside of the top 15. But I did gloss over it. It's just, there's always a certain portion of Hayashi style decks in these, and they're always around this place, like 10 to 15%. Right, I, I just think it's interesting that like it's yeah. it's not zero and it's more popular than Domain Zoo in the sample size. Yeah, yeah, they're cool decks. I mean, Obosh is a powerful card, and if you start playing, your they're infinitely like customizable. If you want to play, you know, they're almost all playing Season Pyromancer, and many of them are playing Saga. Some of them aren't playing Saga. Like, there's just a lot of different ways to go with the deck, which is pretty cool. But it, it was tough to take anything from it other than to say these are these are here. They don't even have any new cards in them or anything like that that I that I saw. For what it's worth, the Mana Trader's top eight was Caprioso on Rakdos Midrange. That's Dom Harvey. NBDF, Crashing Footfalls, which it, which was a teamer version from what we're seeing anyway. DeKing 3603, uh, Indomitable Creativity, a Jund build. I was just looking on Twitter and they mentioned that they love the Jund version. Casa on uh, five color indomitable indomitable creativity arius on omnath twinless twin you know we know twinless twin very well guess what they're playing it's murktide otakun on omnath and then the eighth place deck was miskimbolic rectus midrange so we had two rectus midrange two creativity two omnath one footfalls one murktide in that top eight all a plus decks so what do- what are we learning from this, Dave? Do we have any conclusions? I mean, my biggest conclusion is really just Omnath is back, mm-hmm. and I think in a substantial way, and it's probably thanks to Elish Norm being good and maybe with a little bit of help from Atraxa uh, as far as having some really good targets to use. Murktide is way bigger in these winner brackets than I thought. I thought Murktide would maybe be 10% of the winner's bracket, and it's 17% of it. I think there's less Amulet, than I was thinking there was be, and there's way more mill, honestly, mm-hmm. than I thought there would be in these samples. But other than that, I think I think those are the main takeaways that I had. Oh, and there's there's a good amount of breach. It's just not consolidating around any single deck. Those are probably the four or five takeaways I would take from this. Do we feel like this is a meaningful evolution for the format? Or are we still talking about the same modern with just different decks sort of creeping up around the edges? Like, I think it's this... this- yeah, I, I guess the question is like, have I missed anything if I haven't played modern in, in two months? And in fact, since you haven't played too much, I would say you haven't missed that much other than there's some new tech in some of the decks that you should be aware of. Like we said, what we mentioned, Elish Norn randomly hoses some decks that Omnath couldn't hose before, right? Yeah. So that's something to be aware of depending on what deck you're on. But I think if you the meta still feels stable and it still feels like it's moving around a little bit. Although Murktide's kind of always at the top representation wise, there's still a lot of good decks. Uh, but yeah, I don't think one, imp- the thing we should take away from this is I don't think one really impacted this format overall. It just gave people a few new toys to play with. I would say. Yeah. Cool. Right. So what are you playing? What are you thinking about playing? Like when you look at this and you're like, if you wanted to go win an RCQ, are you doing anything differently? Are you, I mean like, Stan, are you just being like, yeah, crashing footballs can still win an event. That's a deck I know the I know the best. Are you saying like, you know, I really should learn indomitable creativity, or I should like, you know, really go back to Murktide Regent and practice some more with that? Well, it's always good to practice with Murktide Regent. 
But yeah, because then you know how to play against like the most popular deck in the room. Yeah, but you better ideas. But um, I don't know why. Why would not? Why would I play anything other than than Teamer? That's my deck. I, I've I've spent too many American dollars on blinging it out. Yeah, that's a very good point. I agree. I mean, I think it's also important to like be realistic and just be like, hey, uh, this deck still has chops. I'm not trying to hold on to like Jun mid range or something like that, like in the post modern horizons era or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing for me is after I put a good amount of effort into learning hammer, learning about hammer towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year, I was pretty worried about if, if the deck was going to hang on in the meta given more Titan, given more mill, I think right now the indication is that hammer is still a reasonable choice to make it might be less good for leagues than it oh, is yeah. for a tournament but it seems like it's okay to play i mean also you know breach is certainly in my book of stuff that i would play whether it's the value one or if it's just prowess essentially and then finally i think for me scam is the third deck that's still in my holster that yeah. i'm still happy playing stan while i've brought up the subject of rhinos and we're not an episode of the dive down without talking about it what do you think about bullwinkle's tech in the first place deck from the 25th challenge where they're playing two subtly main you think that's kind of a concession to like these the the resurgence of omnath and things like that hey i need to be able to take care of these powerful creatures before they hit the battlefield well it's not just myself some time it's not just omnath subtlety is sort of good against everything right like it's really good against the card murktide you really like it against ledger shredder i think against scam if we're talking about scam getting more popular that can be a pretty scary matchup a early double grief can just be absolutely game ending so having you can't win yeah so having access to like subtlety to pitch even like a force of negation or any of your countless other blue cards like I think that might be a decent metagame call. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's just an overall like pretty good card, and then I think in certain metas is almost an essential card, at least in the, the seventy five. So yeah, I'm happy to put two back in my main. Like I've got those those hot hot border lists that I'm looking forward to using. How about Bullwinkle's tech of the one of Emrakul Aeon's torn in the sideboard? Is that yeah? It, I mean, we, that we mentioned that a couple. Yeah, this is something that we didn't actually mention because I, I I did a bunch like like I mentioned I did a bunch of notes for an episode that we just focused entirely on Pioneer and I just pointed out like ten different times how people had uh, Eldrazi or Gaia's blessing in the side just like as Miltech for sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess I don't you, know, you can naturally cast it. Get that fifteen mana. You'd rather not. Can you actually naturally cast it like with all your fetches? I'm honestly not sure. But you're probably right. You probably can't. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess like with Gaia's blessing, you don't want to cascade into that. Even even if you're playing against Mill, you'd rather cascade into Rhinos and then just like mill over an Emrakul. You mean you don't want to cascade into put three cards from your graveyard back into your deck and gain three life or whatever Gaia's blessing? The text of Gaia's blessing is? I don't yeah, I don't think so. Maybe I'm overlooking something obvious. No. I don't think no, that's I, what you want, David. You you certainly do not. Isn't there a cheaper Eldrazi that has the, when it's put into your graveyard, shuffle your graveyard in your library that you could potentially hard cast that like would be strictly better than Emrakul the Ant's Torn? There is. It like is, a 10 mana one? It is Ulamog the Infinite Gyre. That one is 11 mana. and then, That's much more reasonable. I'm checking Kozilek Butcher of Truth. I think it's, oh, Kozilek Butcher of Truth 10. is the one that's 10. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I thought that Ulamog was the one that was 10, but yeah, Kozilek's the one that's 10. Look, I mean, 
take every edge you can. <laughs> That's right. No, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I think like it's interesting to see the resurgence of Omnath. I, I hope that it doesn't, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that it's for me really going to be like the same level of like boogeyman as potentially like the, the Yorian version was just because like the amount of value that could be created from that. And like the inevitability of that value, but yeah, giant mid range is always still kind of like scary to deal with. Omnath is just such a house, but, but yeah, sweet meta. All right. So we're going to talk quickly after the break about a couple of decks that what Shane's been playing lately, maybe a couple of decks that I found in this metagame breakdown that were kind of cool decks ink-ish, and then what Stan's been up to really quickly. So, stay with us. Stanislav. Shane! As, as Dave, Dave was asking earlier, uh, you were able to travel with your barrister and man products. I'm very happy that, you know, they didn't confiscate your, your sit, your bergamot, the citrus in your, in your, in your backpack. Well, I checked it in. I'm not bringing soap on a plane. It's just too smelly. You don't, I, you don't want to have the aromatics. I've, I've seen fight club <laughs> soaps on a plane. That's right. But what I wanted to talk about today, I don't know if you, I don't know if you received anything from will before you, you took off, uh, in your, your long, arduous journey. But uh, one of the things that I got recently was a sample of the Marilyn shave soap. And I mentioned this last week, how I've been into it. And I think it's one of my favorites in, in the not, not as not fresh, like not like super sort of like bright and fruity and uh, aquatic smell. This is more of like the uh, softer, you know, I wouldn't call it romantic, but in terms of like, you know, warm, wintry type flavors, uh, smells, I guess, but I guess you could eat it. Probably tastes pretty good. And the way that Barrister and Man describes Marilyn is notes of amber, bergamot. Of course you have to have the bergamot, cedar, leather, coriander, sandalwood, tobacco. And those are the things that I, um, I smell the most. Like I get a lot of like interesting sort of like cedary, sandalwoody, tobacco-y type thing from it. And it's definitely in my, my regular rotation. I think it's, it's a nice addition to the overall collection of like, you know, I've of course leaned more towards the fresh stuff like waves or the uh, atomic holiday, which was kind of like fruity and citrusy. And, and I like that quite a bit. And I still, of course, am using the bar soaps. I, I keep forgetting to, you know, to mention that the bar soaps are a huge addition because one, they're not just a guy thing. They're not just someone who shaves, uh, they're for you know, everyone in the house. And I know that you guys are into the soaps as well. Every day. That's how I start my day. A cup of tea and some Barrister Man soap. Use it in the shower? Is that a whole body soap? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I use it in the shower. I'm still on the Figaro's. That's the one that I have right now, but I think that one is unavailable right now. So I would love to get a hold of some Marilyn soon. Yeah, grab it. So anyway, if you want to save 15% off your first order of Barrister and Man products, head on over to Barrister and Man, M-A-N-N. And when you check out, use code THEDIVEDOWN2023 for 15% off that order. Let's well know that you came to them as a listener of The Dive Down, and we appreciate it. And if you want to buy some Barrister and Man in the UK, you can't use the promo code, but you can find Marilyn and Atomic Holiday and a lot of other fragrances at slickboys.co.uk. So my friends, uh, I have been trying to get back into some modern and because we've been so focused a little bit on Tyvar and the potential of Tyvar and 
you know, Discord stalwart Mickey S. Uh, even had a, a 5-0. You can find him on MTG Goldfish there with his Devoted Druid combo list featuring four Tyvar. I tried playing some Tyvar again for kicks because, you know, it was a deck that I was into back in the day years ago when it was not quite a tier one strategy, but close enough, I think. And the way that I picked this list off of Goldfish because Bean17H got two five O's in a row with the same list, although the second time they swapped out for Noble Hierarch for four Birds of Paradise, which is what I ran. So effectively the same 75, just with different kind of mana dorks. I think Birds is strictly better than Noble in this list because it does run for Tyvar Stand and a Flyer plus Tyvar Stand plus Infinite Mana does give you a potential win con. So I think that's just a smarter out than Noble Hierarch. But anyway, this is pretty classic looking devoted list. You know, it's got the four birds, four giver, four devoted druid, four stoneforge, two vizier, a few random one ofs like extraction specialist, Burrington Forge tender, Burrington Forge tender, and the walking ballista for your kill option. You know, you got like the Tyvar, you've got your uh, Eladamri's call, you've got Tyvar stand. So there's no finale of devastation in this list. And I'll get to that a little bit later, my thoughts on not having finale. And then the Stoneforge package is like Luxier, for pairing with Druid for your infinite mana. Viridian Longbow gives you a Druid win con if you're able to tap and untap it endlessly. And then, of course, Batter Skull and Cauldra for your living weapon package. And I did want to get to the LGS to play this in paper, but then, like, work was ridiculous. We had, like, a pretty major systems outage, and I couldn't uh, get the time to even, like, get this alt. You know how long it takes? You know when you're, like, you're like hey, I want to play this deck, and I've, I even though I know where all my cards are, it still takes you like 45 minutes to like get yeah. all the paper cards together, and For it's just sure. like a freaking nightmare. Yeah, and yeah. then you're like getting there at like 6.30 when it starts at like, when it starts at 6.30 and you're super stressed out, and you're like, this was not worth my time. So what I just played it on Mitko, and the I did a, just a bunch of matches, as many as I could, I think like maybe eight or nine all the tournament practice room because I just kind of wanted to get my feet wet. Like I haven't run like an, the, the devoted Druid combo uh, on magic online in a long time. So I was just kind of like, I don't even remember how this works. Like, how, am I going to tutor things correctly? And I'll tell you what the, the deck ran fine. Like it would I mean, it, excuse me in terms of like my ability to play it, like magic online actually makes it easier than paper because you just get your whole deck displayed to you. And you're like, Oh yeah, uh, I'm going to grab, this weapon and not forget the fact that I have some other weapon in there. That's even, you know, perhaps better at the time. But the unfortunate thing in my testing is that like Tyvar rarely came up for me. Like that was the card I wanted to test the most. And I just didn't either see him or I didn't get the opportunity to play him because it like made more sense at the time to me, at least to do something else with the mana. And the most I saw Tyvar do was for an opponent because they ragavanned me. And had my got my Tyvar and then used it for like untapping their creatures and then getting uh, a creature back out of the graveyard. And then they even they they were doing like a weird Grixis. There was like a Grixis Ledger Shredder Ragavan type deck and they croaked me and then they Tyvar the croaks of back the same turn whoa just just to like shred my hand some more and make me lose some more life because i just had lands i was just like trying to represent something else that's awesome and 
Yeah, I kind of. It, it was like they got a lot of value out of it, um, and, and then like. <laughs> so what you're saying once, is they got a value out of a free Tyvar. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. And uh, once I post board, I was able to actually like I had of the win. If my I, my Tyvar resolved, I was going to get a Druid back, and I had a Vizier on board, and I had something to do with my mana. But then like my opponents endurance me, just to to put an end to those dreams. Once I ticked Tyvar down, and I was like, man, like that's. I don't know if I'd bring in endurance against a Tyvar opponent, but I guess you kind of have to if you you know don't have much better else. I, I, I mean, this if, is if, just if, like if if they're using Tyvar to just combo off like that turn. Yeah, I think and you might have, you have to. to. You might have right? to have endurance against it just because like there is a value there. There's a threat of it, and you know if you had endurance in your sideboard and you didn't bring it in against Tyvar and they won with the recursion, you're like, well, what was I doing with my sideboard? Right. I mean, I'm sure this is just like sample size stuff where it's like, you know, I didn't really have a chance to to show Tyvar's worth, but largely Tyvar was a non-factor for me. And so overall, the deck did feel like it did before. Like when it wins, it wins. Like I had a match where I won turn three twice and those were like on moles to like five or just if you don't have interaction and you have this, you know, the certain right combination of cards, you just can win. Like, you know, turn one, the Luxier turn two druid like turn three like you know have enough mana to equip the the sword and just like make infinite mana and then go to town it like that kind of stuff happens and so that was pretty cool but so there's like some main deck cards in there like forge tender and extraction specialist that like are cute but like what i really wanted is just more ways to like have infinite mana payoffs as always where it's just like with this deck you need the right combination of infinite mana creators and then infinite mana payoffs. And if you don't have those, like there's plenty of times where it's just like, yeah, I have the combo, but I have nothing to do with it. And I'm just like top decking towards like an Eladamri's call or a, a Tyvar stand and hope that they don't have a blocker. Like, you know, once I had infinite mana and I had a Lair of the Hydra, but they had like one tiny blocker and I didn't have like Giver of Runes to like give protection against that. So it's like, I can't even make a gigantic layer of the Hydra and attack in because they just have like a chomp blocker. So it's like, Oh, that's frustrating. I think the, the build is just still not quite there. Like I was looking at a number of builds and it's like, how many Vizier remedies do you run? Like, do you care about that really bad draw because of the, you want more redundancy. So like, do you want, do you run like one of, and then more finale of devastations and more Aladamri's call to like tutor it up when you need it. Or do you run like the full quartet of Eladamri's call just for like tutors? Or do you want like Finale of Devastation? It gives you like an infinite mana sink to like make your creatures huge. And my build ran no Urza Saga. And so I didn't have any ability to tutor up the uh, Luxier as like kind of like one of your primary combo plans, which is something that people run of that gives you also gets you longbow the Viridian Longbow. So those are both one mana. And so Urza Saga can tutor those up as like both enablers and payoffs. And so I think that that's also kind of like a nice ability as well. It gives you just more, more redundancy. Our, our buddy Doomwake, you know, ran a similar deck uh, in the modern challenge on Saturday and did a quick O2 drop with a pretty similar deck. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, this deck's bad. Uh, mm. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's bad, but it didn't feel like, drastically different to me mm -hmm. and i think it's a lot of like reps it's a lot of like knowing how fast you need to play this deck out where it's like am i gonna play a naked devoted druid out there 
and like then expect to play the Vizier of Remedies or like an Eladamri's call next turn to like go off with. It's just like, or do I play really slowly, try to get a Tyvar, you know, play to be able to win on the spot type thing? It's there's a lot there. I'm also just trying to think like, what are you supposed to be good against? What is not I mean, interacting yeah. or disrupting you somehow? And and like hammer time comes to mind as maybe one option, but everything Man, hammer, else. Hammer interacted with me really well when I played versus it. Like they had all the prismatic endings and whatnot, and I was just like ah, brutal. Most and also board. they're just really fast. Yeah, and they're just really fast. I was gonna say, not so not game like, one. They they don't usually have those cards, but game two you might have a bit of that. Was it mono white hammer or was it blue white? I don't I don't remember seeing. Uh, I think it was just mono white. Okay. So. Yeah, right. you don't, it's, don't yeah, you're right, Stan. So there's so, there's so much to interact with you, yeah. right? Yeah. Like there's just so much. And, and like likewise with Hammer, like I would think that you might want to prey on the decks that don't have game one interaction at least. But then an example of something like Hammer or even Amulet Titan, maybe like are those decks not faster then? So I um, wonder w- what role are you trying to fill into f- in the format with just having more consistency is one thing, but like you're not goldfishing yeah i mean i do think that if if you you mentioned titan i think there's a decent chance that titan could be a good matchup for you if you're on druid because like you said no game one interaction they do have anti-artifact stuff in games two and three which is annoying because you rely on some artifacts but also then you can do something like bring back um you know bring something back out of the graveyard and they don't really have a way to interact with that all the time especially because they don't always have bajuka bog anymore and stuff like that so that's something to consider i wonder i don't yeah i don't know what else in this top is good against that mill maybe like if there was a lot of mill it could yeah. be a thing as well yeah and then your tyvar draws are bananas cocoa bananas yeah assuming assuming mill doesn't have a counter spell up which they frequently do too yeah, for what it's worth, there was it looks like maybe two devoted, de- yeah, two devoted decks in the sample that I did from the tenth to the twenty second. One of them was in sixteenth place, and the other one was in tenth place. One of them was piloted by Young Dingo to sixteenth place in a challenge. Um, so there's a couple of results here, but it's not it's not coming back. I think quite the way that people thought either. There are some new versions that I am noticing that are playing Atraxa. I don't know how exactly, but they are. I guess it's just like, um, it's like I think it's yeah, Bob and Cheese, which is a name that we've definitely heard before. And they're running a list with Fiend Artisan uh, and a Singleton Atraxa Grand Unifier, along with things like, you know, Eladamri's Call, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I, I don't yeah. really know how you're, casting Atraxa. I guess just if you make infinite mana and have white, blue, black, you can get it, you can get it out there. I don't really know. Did you get to do the Skrelv thing? Meaning like use it as protection? I, I, I never g- actually got to use Skrelv as protection. No, I used Giver like once. I mean, that's the thing too. Like, like you said, Stan, like I want to move off this deck because we've got not a ton of time left, but like it's, it's weird. Like you said, like other decks are fast and disruptive and your like game plan of giver of runes into devoted druid in, like and like you're just sort of relying on like not a super fast sequence and then like the fact that yeah they can also just have two removal spells one that hits giver of runes one that hits your devoted druid and you're just 
you know, you're just stranded. So you just have to have a lot go right for this strategy, and I'm not sure the juice is worth that squeeze when you can play a deck that's sort of more resilient and more consistent at doing what it's doing. And it's not like other decks can't win on turn four or effectively win on turn four all the time or even turn three. So I don't know. Yeah. This Fiend Artisan list that you were talking about is pretty cool. This, that's the 10th place list by Galatrist. Um, they have it in the 217. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's the way you would get a Trax onto the battlefield is with Fiend Artisan, because that's the X uh, yeah. Golgari hybrid sacrifice a creature, etc., etc., put on the battlefield. But I still don't know how you exactly do that, because it's X or less. So, I don't know. I had someone do that against me in Pioneer, actually, in a Pio League, where they were just fiend artisaning into all kinds of crazy stuff, including a track set. It was pretty nutty. Yeah, fiend artisan's cool. It's a cool card. Yeah. Dave, all right. You said you had some you had some cool decks for us, a few. Well, I think we can skip that. Stan, did you have anything you want to talk about with Rhinos or what you've been doing? Or I haven't played Rhinos in maybe a month. And then I, I played a, an Elves League just to dust off the cobwebs. It was a little hard. It was hard against midrange. I, I, I think it's like... It's really fast right now yeah. to and like having the four quarter calling main is, gives you like really cool combo kills out of nowhere um, because you just make so many tokens right now with this version and in, in, that's in Pioneer. But I, I've only played one league and I kind of want to play some more and then see what it how it actually plays in paper. I just yeah. know that I'm I'm nervous about Rakdos and the mono green matchup is probably kind of what I'm hoping to to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, it's that, anything that doesn't have point removal really. Like yeah. human seems like a good matchup too. Yeah, for sure. You just get wider faster than them. Yeah. Uh, they do have brave the elements, of course, but you know maybe you can get lucky. So I, I'm just going to point out two decks that I thought were cool in the the list that I saw. I'm not going to get deep into it for what it's worth. These are just a couple things notes because I do want to save time to open a collector booster and also. Um, <laughs> hear a little bit from Stan before we have to get out of here. So a couple things. One is there was a player, Hank the Obese on Magic Online, who had a f- challenge win and a challenge third place with mono white humans in modern. No new cards in this deck, but this deck is Champion of the Parish, Esper Sentinel, Hopeful Initiate, it, Initiate which has seen some play in the Pioneer version, Luminarch Aspirant, Thalia, Thalia's Lieutenant, Adeline, Pioneer Staple, Solitude, and Chancellor of the Annex, which I thought was a pretty interesting card to have in here, along with Shining Shoal and Amirius Call, and then a bunch of just kind of like white lands. I thought this deck was pretty interesting. It had a couple of results that seemed pretty decisive. So that was kind of cool to see. Not, I guess I should say I'm not entirely sure if they came in first in the Swiss or won the tournament itself, won the top eight as well, but they were definitely first in the Swiss. They've been on a pretty hot run lately where like they came in third in a modern challenge too, a seventh in another one. Yeah. So I don't know. Mono white humans might be something to keep an eye on in modern. Seems like it has a lot of tools. Um, there was also this kind of weird Jeskai mid-range deck that looks like it's really maximizing triggers. It's got Elish Norn. It's kind of a, um, let me see if I can find it really quickly. It's two Elish Norn and like four, uh, four timeless dragon was the thing that blew my mind the most <laughs> in this deck. Oh, like timeless dragon always appears. I don't know why it's around sometimes. Like what is going on with that? Just guy Obash mid. It's an Obash deck as well. 
And it has Ragavan, Season Pyromancer, two Elish Norn, Fury, Solitude, three Timeless Dragon, one Teferi. That's pretty much the only thing that makes it. Teferi is the only thing that makes it uh, Jeskai. And then it's got Lightning Bolt, March of Otherworldly Light, Prismatic Ending, Fable, Blood Moon. Like it's a interesting build off of the red mid-range decks that we mostly see with Obosh that instead is a essentially a Boros mid-range deck that has popped up a couple times. And this deck that I'm looking at in particular from uh Quafortre with a four in the middle was uh first place with a six and zero oh in the 219 challenge. I think that might be worth looking at as well. If you're looking for cool decks, uh, I think those are the two ones that stood out the most to me. So Stan. Dave. Let's open a pack. One of these. Let's open a pack and also tell us some anecdotes. Do you have any other anecdotes about your move? What's been the hardest? Yeah, what's yeah. been the easiest and the hardest part of settling into a new country? Oh, wow. That's that's getting right into it. That's um, a double barrel question, Dave. You don't Survey have to share that if you don't like to, but I'm, trying to give, no, I'm just trying to prompt I mean, you. Yeah, I mean, what's been the easiest? The There's no real language barrier that helps. So, in <laughs> no real language barrier. I mean, language barriers are real. We were in Berlin a few weeks ago for like yeah. about a week. So it's cool that you can just like pop over to anywhere in Europe. That like, is, after, I have to, I have to, we're interrupt you and just be like, that is the number one thing I want to move to Europe for. <laughs> yeah. It's just, just like, a, like, it's like go, going to Connecticut. Oh, I went to Spain. Right. Yeah. It's like a cheap two hour flight at most. And you're, we were in Berlin for a week and just quickly inundated with the fact that like, you can't read the signage. Yeah. People, people are friendly enough and like, especially in a city like big cosmopolitan cities, like they speak enough English that it's, that's not a burden, but like having to use an app to just like buy stuff at a grocery store and, and understand the difference between like the milk in the refrigerator and the milk that's somehow shelf stable and warm. (laughs) Like what's that about? Um, Germany, get at us. Tell us what that's about. All right. So let's look at this collector booster. I got a foil full art, black and white Luca. That's That's pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. Nice. That's a legitimate card. Um, and a full art black and white Kemba Ka Enduring. Wow. Two Sweet. two full out rare two showcase rares. That's pretty cool. And a full art foil like the Phyrexian foiling Malkater Purity Overseer. Oh geez, a triple alt showcase rare. The the Phyrexian oils are kind of hard rare? to come by too. Is that a good card? Uh, it's pl- um, it's actually in a deck that I was going to talk about. There's a Jeskai Affinity deck that tries to trigger trigger Mal- uh, Malkalor or whatever to get a bunch of three threes. Man, I forgot how many rares come in this because I also got a Vran, a foil Vran Executioner yeah. Thane, a, a full art or borderless Mirren Safe House, right, uh, and a borderless Clever Concealment. Wow, you did get some some pulls though. The Luca is good. Yeah. Put these in my butt. Do these foils curl? Do these Phyrexian yeah. foils curl? Yeah, they all do. They all Sleeve do. them up. I should make a video where I un- crack these packs. Like, since Wizards was kind enough to send them to me, we should make some content out of it, huh? Yeah. But yeah, so the easiest part is everyone in England speaks uh, some form of English, and everyone in Manchester, especially, like, no joke, is so nice. I think they're charmed by the fact that I'm American. There aren't really a lot of Americans here. I've not met any other Americans. Uh, actually, Interesting. maybe that's not true. We were having burgers last week at a place called Almost Famous that that refers to itself as an American burger joint. <laughs> and and, and okay. we were we were served by this person who had a British accent, and he's like, 
where you, where are y'all from? And we said Chicago. And he's like, yeah, it might not sound like it, but I'm from Florida. I actually grew up in Florida. And then, but my parents are English. And then we moved back here. So I just always had a British accent, even though I kind of consider myself semi-American. That's funny. But um, I will also add another nice thing is the weather here is phenomenal for winter really? time. Like compared to what Chicago winters are like, it kind of feels like spring here. Um, so I'm looking forward to what the next few months hold because it can only get warmer. I mean, you did move from like one of the nastiest winters in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Chicago is horrible. Yeah, in it's, the winter. it's it's so bad. I it's gotta so say, bad. this year for what it's worth, it's been extremely mild. There's only been like three snowstorms. We had one Friday night, and it's already gone. So it's like it's been a really mild winter this year. However, there certainly are plenty of times where it's like negative thirty here randomly. Yeah, so. and it's it's never really dropped below. 35 since I've been in Manchester and that was like a weird fluke and everyone was like why is it so cold and it's just kind of been like hovering between 45 and 55 since I got here in January wow that does sound pretty nice it's it's fantastic it's hitting Um, the mid 40s here today and I'm like taking the kids to the park after this it's like oh my god it's above freezing we have to do something outside run run to the park go yeah, I don't know. I, I almost feel like we can make a whole episode out of, out of talking about my observations about England. Like, there's a lot of good things about um, just sort of like the culture. It's very chill. Uh, even in Manchester City Center, which is a bustling urban metropolis, like, people just are nice, and I don't feel like I'm getting pushed around. That's what happens when you escape capitalism, Stan. Yeah. Okay. Everything becomes chill. All right. So let's talk about capitalism real quick. (laughs) Real real quick. Guys, I have to go to the park with my kid. (laughs) Real quick. Real quick. So let's make this some bonus content, Stan. Obviously, I have not escaped capitalism, but I get this weird sense that the culture I'm living in now, and maybe it's a mank thing, I don't know, but it doesn't feel as materialistic. And, And part of that is... Houses are smaller, okay? And commercial real estate is more sparse. And sometimes it's kind of a burden where I'm like, for me to walk to a a store, I have to walk like 20, 30 minutes. And in Chicago, like, there's like... Yes. (laughs) Places, like, there's Targets and Walgreens and everything is like always five minutes away. You kind of just have to like make a point to go buy stuff. And when you go to a grocery store, like, they're smaller here than they are in Chicago, at least. And when I was looking for the house that I'm in now and just like seeing people's homes, it just felt like people didn't have as much stuff. Like, whereas in America, we were drowning in stuff and we brought too much stuff over and there's just less stuff here. Interesting. I'm, now, I'm not saying it's a more evolved culture and that materialism does not exist here, but it just it feels like it's a little bit less of an identity than maybe what I kind of was used to in Chicago. Um, maybe people here have a little bit as much or more vanity though. Like, I think that's sort of the trade-off is like (laughs) materialism for vanity. Like seriously, like in Chicago, there's like 20 tattoo parlors on a single city block and tattoo parlors are a little less common here. But when we were living in the Didsbury neighborhood, I had never been in a single city neighborhood that had so many barbershops and hair salons. Like they were like Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts combined. Like, there's just so many barbershops on a single street. It was insane. Interesting. I think people just get I've, a lot of haircuts. No, I've noticed that around where I live, Stan. It's just like, when you look, there are way more salons than you think there are. 
I don't understand how it works. But uh, this is definitely some uh, some future conversation topics, and probably not the dive down because I've got I've got a, I'm, I'm withholding any any comments I have about my thoughts about the, some of the topics that you were you were uh, bringing up uh, about capitalism and materialism. Yeah, That's, I might I might not might not want to talk about it on pod. Okay. All right. That can and be also know that dive also down know after, we, after dark. Oh, perfect. I, can't I wait can for see those, the sun actually. seems to be going down behind you right now, Stan. And so your lighting has gotten Whoa. amazing in the last 20 minutes where the the room behind you has gotten slightly darker, but you're still like warmly lit. So it looks way looks more like composed yeah. at moment. Well, so so yeah. I'm facing a brick wall that does have like some light fixtures yeah. attached to it. So nice. my lighting, my lighting is cool. Last thing I'll say, literal last thing I'll say that I didn't realize before I moved here is that Manchester is a microclimate because I'm in a valley surrounded by mountains and it's not like Denver, right? I'm not looking at like the majestic white peaks of the Rockies, but if I look out of either of these two, because I'm in an attic and I have these two windows on either side of the attic, anywhere, any direction I look, like I see tall hills and mountains in the distance and wind farms and that contributes to, I think, maybe what our mild climate comes from, perhaps. Um, but then you get like random like drizzle in the middle of the day sometimes. So I don't know. It's fun. I, it I, just I really like it. I can't wait for you guys to visit. I, no, I, I don't think all of UK has the microclimate because we just have like this weird northern mountain range and sweet. That can't kind wait. Of, like colors the countryside. I miss the, the colors of the countryside. We'll have to wait for that. We, we, we'll keep doing this. I'll keep sharing anecdotes about the dive down or about Manchester next time we record together. I don't know if the next episode we're going to record together. It might be us doing some experimentation. Yeah. Well, I'm 100% out. Um, I am I am gone next week, as I as I mentioned to you all, because yeah, I have, I wasn't uh, sure if it was the next one. Okay. Yeah, it's, I've got a I've got a work trip. So are you coming here? No, I'm going to Salt Lake City. It's a lot, it's a lot like the UK. It is. Yeah. It's very much a, its own microclimate, I've heard. <laughs> so, Stan, you and me have to figure out when we can do it next week. Let's keep talking. Yeah, let's do that. All right. I guess that wraps up this week's show. I can't believe I get to read the script again. It's like coming home to a warm hug of show notes. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and review. If you'd like to submit a question to the podcast, you can reach out by tweeting at the dive down, all one word, emailing the dive down at gmail.com. We have some emails to catch up on. I've been out of office for a month and you guys stopped responding to our, our kind emailers. So I guess I'll do that this week. I've been, I've seen the emails come through. I just haven't gotten around to answering them. So we'll do that sooner. I think one of them wants a recipe from you, Dave. So maybe, maybe you can. Oh, I will take a look right now. I'll make a Jira ticket for you. Thanks. That's, that is how I live my life. So I appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. And also check out the store, the dive slash store, get a t-shirt, wear it with pride. Shout out to Mana Traders for sponsoring the Dive Down. If you sign up for a Mana Traders account using promo code the Dive Down Ten, all one word, you will get ten percent off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. That is ten, the number, the Dive Down One Zero, and also get some amazing shaving soap, body soap, fragrances, and more at Barrister and Man using promo code the Dive Down Twenty Twenty Three. Fifteen percent off your first order there, and of course, save some money on paper cards at Nerd Rage Gaming with the code. Dive 8. Dive and the number 8 for 8% off your first order from NRG. 
Special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and carry on. Have a good show. Cheers, mate. Bye.